Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Hi, welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. I am Laura Forehand, a Platinum Certified Whole Brain Teaching Instructor, and I live in the state of Missouri and teach second grade. I'm here today with my great friend, Rhonda. I'll have her introduce herself. Hello, everyone. I'm Rhonda Arlt, and I'm a second grade teacher um, in Goddard, Kansas. I'm a Platinum Certified Instructor as well, and we are happy to have Executive Board Member Sarah Metter back with us on the podcast. Did I say it right this time? You did, yes. <laughs> Sarah was with us on episode 12 to discuss super improver team at the middle and high school level. Today, she's with us again, and we are going to be discussing the topic of gestures and brainies while teaching using whole brain teaching. Welcome, Sarah. We are so glad you could join us today on the podcast. How has your school year been going? Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to come back. Um, I just appreciate all the, the work that you guys do on this podcast. It really is amazing and, and beneficial for so many people. So thank you for, for keeping after it week after week. Um, this year, you know, it's been an interesting school year, I'm sure, as everybody has their stories. And we chatted a little bit before we started the podcast recording. Um, it's just, and you know, it's an adventure, but it's a testament to, um, I think, just a teacher's flexibility of the things that were just, you know, here's what we got to do. So let's make it work. So as Rhonda said, we want to talk to you today about gestures and brainies. Um, And just to clarify um, and to lay a bit of foundation for this podcast, can you help us understand the difference between the two? Can you help us understand the difference between brainies and gestures? Sure. I think that's a a really great place to start. So brainies is a word um, for a lot of the writing and the critical thinking terms um, that can help students to increase their depth in their answers and increase their writing skills. So if you go to wholebrainteaching.com, you can click on where it says power-ups up at the top and go to kind of our, our all strategies listed there page. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see the brainy game listed there underneath writing. Um, and when you use the brainies, it's things, there's, there's a gesture specifically for capital There's a gesture specifically for end marks. There's a gesture for, for example, and because those critical thinking words that can help students add depth into their writing. So brainies are more uh, structural for writing, um, but they're they're specific words with gestures attached to them. Uh, We also have power picks, which is important to add in as well. And we have lots of power picks that are created, which are more of a visual representation of concepts. So now we're talking about words like nouns, adjectives, verbs, fractions, multiplication. Um, you know, in upper grades, we're talking about matter and density and mass um, and those concept words that can take place of your word wall. So it's a picture, it's a question, it's an answer, but it's a definition and a gesture that goes along with it. So we have brain for more writing skills 
we have power picks for concepts, and then we have just the general idea of gestures. Um, and so if you're, you're going to be teaching with gestures, you can use your brainies, you can use your power picks as almost a place to start um, and in a way to find gestures that are already created for you. That's, that's a, g- a great way to distinguish between them. Why are using gestures, brainies, power picks, why is that so important when, when we're using whole brain teaching? So the, the best, if I can speak properly, the best explanation <laughs> I can give is to explain why we call it whole brain teaching. Um, and when you come to a conference, we do a lesson on the brain where we teach main brain areas that we want students to have engaged during any lesson. So we want them to be seeing, we want them to be hearing, we want them to be speaking, we want them to be moving. And how do we do all of these things in a way that helps them to understand content in a deep and lasting way? And so what we want students to be doing anytime they're learning any kind of information is we want them to be seeing it, hearing it, saying it, moving to it, emotionally connecting to it. And those are all the different components of the brain that we try to engage in whole brain teaching. So we have, you know, the whole brain teaching basics pattern where we uh, get their attention and we teach them one chunk of information at a time. And to teach that information, we want them to be saying, we want them to be hearing their partner say it hearing the teacher say it, but most importantly, we want them to be moving with it. So uh, over, we talked about how over a podcast, it's going to be interesting to talk about gestures without gesturing, but um, the best one I can explain um, without seeing it would be if you put both of your hands in fists and then put one fist on top of the other, this is our gesture for a fraction. And so every time you say the word fraction, you hold your two fists in that pattern with one fist over top of the other fist. And then whenever you say numerator, you just kind of waggle your top fist back and forth because it helps students to connect with this, this very abstract idea of a fraction and a numerator. And so just these movements that you're doing and that you're teaching your students to do helps them to connect in a concrete way to what the definition is. So you have a gesture for fraction, you have a definition for numerator, you went bottom fist, that's your gesture for a denominator. And it just helps students to really connect to all parts of this, this very abstract idea. And it's a way to also check for comprehension to check and see if students are understanding because you can say something like show me what a fraction is and they show you the gesture and now show me which one's the numerator and you can see if they're waggling the right one so it's a really easy way to to see first of all if your students are all engaged in what you're teaching because they'll be moving with you um, but also to see if they understand and are ready for more. That's good and I think you've kind of talked a little bit about my next question. I remember on Instagram you discuss, I think I have these words right, memory gestures and casual gestures, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. content maybe, and casual gestures. Can you explain the difference between those? Sure. sure. So we've got social gestures, which are just really the way that we move our hands around when we talk. Um, and when we use these gestures in a classroom, um, we're typically using the whole brain teaching basics pattern. So I'll say class, my students will say yes. I'll say mirror words, my students will repeat with mirror words. And then they're repeat all of my words and my gestures. And so if my gestures, I'm just kind of making them up as I go, if there isn't really a a meaning behind the gestures, I'm sure that they're with me. Um, These gestures are called social gestures. You know, if I'm talking about the time, I point to my watch. If I'm talking about today, I'll make my arms really big. Just a way to get your students engaging with what you're talking about, but there really is no meaning behind those gestures. Those are social gestures. 
Um, and in younger grades, we use a lot of social gestures, um, you know, just trying to get everyone engaged and looking at you and participating and listening, you know, with those little bodies that are always moving in ways we want to keep them moving. You know, students want to move, they want to talk. So let's let them move. Let's let them talk, but do it in a structured way that helps them learn. In upper grades, the overwhelming majority of gestures that we use are memory gestures. So of course you'll use these in younger grades too, but memory gestures are those specific content words. Um, so when I'm teaching, say a lesson on temperature, um, and we're gonna, I'm, I'm a science person, so I'm gonna go sciencey on you for a minute. That's okay. <laughs> temperature is not just a measurement of hot or cold, it's a measurement of the speed of molecules. And so we use gestures to every time we say the word temperature, and that gesture then helps them to understand to, like I said earlier, you know, connect to it in a more concrete way. But that's really the only gesture that I'm doing. I'll do it. I'll hold it. I'll move it around. I'll ask students to show it to me. Um, I'm not using a lot of social gestures because I really want them to focus in on that, that memory gesture. And we do a lot of comparing and contrasting. Um, so, you know, here's this idea of temperature and here's the idea of heat. Let's compare and contrast them. And so having your students then come up with their own gestures to help compare and contrast and show the differences. And that's, to me, that's really where the power of gestures lie. It's not in students repeating from me. It's when I can teach them, you know, a couple of basic gestures, and then I ask them to compare and contrast or come up with examples, um, and they come up with their own gestures in that way. It really is a much deeper way um, to engage your students in the learning. I remember watching you at the beginning of the year, um, you had, you had posted something on for sure Instagram, but maybe even the Facebook page, the sixth through 12th grade Facebook page, your, your lesson on matter matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was super powerful. Like I was, oh, thanks. Oh gosh, you know, even in second grade, we're learning about matter and how I use, and I saw some of those, you know, content gestures that you were using and how you were just using that one gesture you know, to get your point across about what matter is. And um, anyway, it was, it was awesome. It was a great, well, thank you. Yeah. I love, I, I love Google slides. I'm a big Google person. Um, and I do teach with PowerPoints, but I love them because I don't teach them in a way that you probably think of teaching with PowerPoints. Whenever I talk about using Google slides or PowerPoints, um, uh, teachers that I'm talking with usually envision, you know, they're like, junior year psychology college class where the teachers just flip into a PowerPoint, reading what's on it. There could be one person or a thousand in the audience, and it doesn't matter, you know, and it's definitely not that kind of teaching. What I love about using slides is it just helps me to chunk my lesson. If mm -hmm. we're using the basics and, and using the, the whole brain teaching basics pattern, you only want to in, uh, introduce one new piece of information at a time. And so I chunk my lessons using slides. So each slide is one new piece of information that I want to include or I want to uh, bring out. And I don't go to the next slide until I'm sure that they are ready to go to the next slide. And they prove to me that they're ready by the, the teach okays that they're doing, by the example sentences that they're coming up with, by the comparing and contrasting that they're doing, or whatever it is based on that one chunk of and that's really helpful. Yeah. So Rhonda and I, when we first started the podcast, we started with the whole brain teaching basic cycle that you've been talking about. Um, can you give us a brief overview of the steps? I think you talked about them just a little bit, um, steps to that cycle and in which part or parts um, do the gestures or brainies, wh where do they come in? Sure. So there's four parts to the whole brain teaching basic cycle. The 
the attention getter. So this is where you can use any variation of class. And yes, you say class, students say yes. However you say class, that's how they say yes. So that's the attention getter. Um, and when you do that, students should be turning and look at you, folding their hands and, and waiting for more. The second step is uh, the way to engage them in whatever you're doing. And you've got some choices here. We've got a couple different mirror variations, but the basic one to start with is mirror words. So you hold up both your hands and say mirror words. Your students then hold up both of their hands and say mirror words. And then you get to actually teach. So it's not to this third step, this direct instruction step where you actually can teach. And you want to really try to break your, I use bullet points, break your lesson down into bullet points. And it's just basic general lesson planning. You know, what do I want my students to know first? And after they understand that, what do I want them to know next? And after they understand that, see, that's the key component that a lot of teachers miss is it's not. I'm going to teach them these five things. It's what is this one thing I want them to know? And once they understand it, then I'll teach them the second part. And that's the chunking part that we're talking about. So we teach them this one bit of information. And because I opened with mere words, I'm now going to teach that one piece of information using gestures. So I can use my memory gestures. I can use my social gestures. My students are kind of repeating to me. Um, whatever I, you know, whatever I'm teaching to them. And then when I'm done, I can say mirrors off. And then I go to that fourth step, which is the teach. Okay. This is your collaborative learning. And this is to me by far the most powerful step, because this is where I can instantly assess whether my students are ready to go around that circle again and learn a new piece of information. Or if I need to go around that circle again and review what I just taught because I didn't understand it. Um, and so with the teach. Okay. You, teach and your students, okay, they turn to their partner and they do whatever you've asked them to do. In lower grades, it might simply be repeating the definition that I just taught them. You know, in, in younger grades, you gotta start small. So when you have them do a teach okay, you just repeat whatever I just said. Um, and then as you move on and they get more comfortable with that and definitely in upper grades, that happens a lot faster. You have them paraphrasing. Um, and as soon as you can, in that teach okay, you get them to come up with their own examples, or you can ask them to compare and contrast different ideas or fill in sentence frames um, with their partner. You want to get to that critical thinking, that depth as soon as possible. But during that teach very using gestures. And I tell my students all the time, I can't hear all of your conversations, but I can't see you. And what I want you to do is prove to me that you are ready for the next step. And so if I think they're ready, then I call them back with a class yes, mirror words, and I teach them the next chunk. If I didn't think they're ready, I'd call them back with a class yes, mirror words, and I'd reteach it and give them a chance to try again. Because what happens too often is we teach students, you know, 10, 20, 30 things, and then we give them homework. And then we take it home. If we're lucky, we grade it that night. If you're like me, sometimes it stays in your teacher bag for a day or two, and then you grade going, oh my gosh, I thought they understood it. They were all nodding their heads and giving me eye contact. I thought they understood it and then they completely didn't. So we need to make sure we're doing that assessment every single moment. And gestures are, are a really great way to be able to do that. Yeah, thank you for that, that overview. That explains a lot. So I see on Facebook, there's questions. Um, if there's not a power pick or um, a memory gesture with a word, what's the best way to create our own gestures for that? that memory content that we want them to have if there's not something already out there by whole brain teaching? This is probably the biggest question that I see people asking. I know. My first answer to this is you don't have to have gestures for everything. So some teachers feel like 
They have to have a gesture for every single word that they're saying. And that is just absolutely not true. Um, if you're using those social gestures, anything that you're doing to help them connect to what you're saying, that's the important thing. I mean, I use social gestures in upper grades when I'm, I'm hey, we're going to have a test tomorrow. So I would say, you know, class, mirror words, tomorrow. And I'm just throwing my air like people can see me but I'm gonna throw my arms up in the air and yell tomorrow and just that simple gesture that now they're repeating after me tomorrow so I can say you know after I've done mirrors off after they've done a teach okay I can say all right everybody when is the show me show me when the test is and they're all gonna yell tomorrow doing that silly gesture that's a social gesture um so they you can come up with them on the fly they don't have to have any specific meaning they don't have to be perfect um, they're just movements that help students connect to what you're saying to them. Those are, you know, the social gestures that we come up with on the fly. If you're trying to come up with memory gestures, um, my best advice is to picture yourself sitting with a student that you've taught the lesson to and they just didn't get it. And you tried a different way and they just didn't get it. And so you pull that kiddo back into a small group with you and it's your third or your fourth time that you're trying to explain something to him. And imagine what you would do with your hands to try to convey that information. And for whatever reason, teachers' brains sometimes, you know, oh, I would do this. You know, I'm trying to teach the concept of addition. Well, you've got one thing here and you've got another thing here and we're going to put them together. You just came up with your gesture as you were breaking it down into really small parts. Um, so that is my kind of best advice is just to really think about what one motion you could do that shows that gesture. And the gesture doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. There is no right gesture. The best gestures are simply in the explanation. So if you can, you know, whatever gesture you came up with, if you can explain why that gesture explains the word and the definition, then it's a great gesture. And sometimes when I can't come up with some, or just because it's a really good critical thinking strategy, I'll give my students words. I'll put them into groups and I'll say, all right, everybody, here's your word. Let's see who can come up with the best gesture. And the best gesture is simply the one that they can explain the best. Mm -hmm. They can use the definition because that's where the real depth comes in is, you know, this is a good gesture because, and then explaining definition through that movement. So if you assign that gesture to that content, it's important to be consistent with it and use it every time, right? Absolutely. And so that's after, after now you've learned the gesture for the word, every time you say the word, you're going to do that gesture. And every time you start a class, say, you know, you taught something yesterday, you start class tomorrow, all you're going to do is say, show me blank, show me the word and have them show you the gesture. And then what will happen is you'll see right off who are your students that remembered it and who didn't. But the ones that didn't are going to look and be like, oh, yeah. So it's that mm -hmm. connection. And then now they have that background knowledge of, oh, yeah, this was our gesture. Now you can say, teach your neighbor everything you remember about blank. And now they're teaching, they're reviewing. Um, and then you can kind of carry forward and, and add more to that lesson. That's awesome. That it's it's so like it just gives gives me whole brain teaching life just to hear you explain all this really mm -hmm. a reboot um, yeah it is Definitely. a reboot yeah mm -hmm. so when yeah. it comes to brainies power picks things like that where can our listeners find these things that that we've been talking about here great my first advice would be to go to wholebrainteaching.com and click on the wbt basics tab from the top um, and if you scroll down you'll see a whole section on the class yes 
on mirror words, on direct instruction, teaching and bullet points, and on teach okay. So I would start there. Um, and if you focus in on that direct instruction, piece, there is, um, I believe on that website, um, on that page, there is a couple different videos all about teaching with gestures and how to come up with gestures um, and how to you know, weave them into the instruction that you're already doing. And then there's also uh, linked on that page as well. There is uh, a, paid, a link to power picks um, and the brainies that are all part of it too. All right. Well, we've seen in posts on the Facebook groups from time to time talking about how teachers are concerned that upper and or upper elementary and secondary students might view the use of brainies and gestures as babyish. You teach science to secondary students. Can you talk a little bit about how teachers can get the buy-in for these upper sure. elementary or upper sure. grades? Here is honestly one of my favorite stories to tell is when I started doing whole brain teaching, um, I was the only one in my school district that had heard of it, that was using anything. Um, and I really found a lot of success, but you know, what, what a lot of teachers do when they try something new is they don't tell anybody like, I'm going to try this. I don't know how it's going to work. So I just shut my door and, you know, started. <laughs> and my students kind of started to share this, this fire with the other teachers of, you know, how come you're not letting us talk so much? They say to the other teachers, or how come we're not playing that scoreboard game? They'd say to the other teachers. And so I had a conversation with another teacher in my district, who's an elementary teacher. And it was about a whole brain teaching. She kind of brought it up and she's like, what is this stuff you're doing? And so I just explained it to her briefly. And her comment to me as a young elementary teacher was, I think that works with older kids, but there's no way that would work with younger kids, which is crazy because it's typically the opposite comment that we get from people in Facebook land um, or you know, at conferences, because we have so many videos of elementary teachers using these strategies that when you have upper grade teachers, looking at it, they're thinking, well, that's never going to work. And my explanation is we all give direct instruction. We all are lecturing to our students, but a kindergarten teacher lecturing looks much different than an upper grade teacher lecturing. So it's the same thing with whole brain teaching. You know, you don't, I don't stand in front of my eighth grade class saying today, everybody, matter. if I were a kindergarten teacher, that's just typical sing songy and happy and, yeah. you know, sarcastic and silly so you <laughs> to your own personality and teach to your grade level good points yeah that's really good advice um sarah we have loved having you on the podcast again today um you've really helped me understand the difference between brady's and gestures a whole lot better and how to create them how to use them um, where can our listeners, if they still have questions about this aspect of whole brain teaching, how can they get in touch with you to ask their questions? Great. Well, the best place to go is our Facebook grade level pages, and they're all linked right at our homepage at wholebrainteaching.com. So if you go to wholebrainteaching.com, scroll down a little bit, you'll see a link to every grade level Facebook page. Um, and I love that you can, you know, you can ask questions there. We've got everybody from the today's their first day to people that have been using it for 15 years in these Facebook groups. So never be afraid to ask a question because if you're asking it, somebody else probably has the question too. So definitely ask there. If they want to get in touch with me, my uh, Instagram is WBT middle. Um, you know, everything is a roller coaster. So I'm good at posting for a while and then I forget, but then I come back again. So, um, you know, sending me a message through there would be fine too. Or of course, email. I'm at Sarah Metter at wholebrainteaching.com. Perfect. Well, and like I said, this was definitely a reboot. This is why I love doing these. It kind of puts things in perspective of what I need to do better in my classroom. So thank you so much. 
Be sure to check out our Facebook pages and Instagram page for all the latest on whole brain teaching. We are thankful that you all joined us today. And we thank you, Sarah, for sharing with us. Thanks for having me. Yes. And don't forget to like and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Um, Share this podcast with all your teacher friends, your homeschool parent friends. Um, And we'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode. Until then, thank you so much for listening.